Hi, and welcome back to NFL Game Time with your hosts, I'm Alex Rubinson. And I'm Shai Dweck. We approach week six of the NFL season. Cardinals are still 5-0. and Jaguars are free-falling. And we also have major coaching news as John Gruden resigning as the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. We'll cover all that and more. So, Shai, let's get right into it because it's game time. So, we'll start with tomorrow's Thursday night game. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to Philadelphia, taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. Brady doing with, you know, like a thumb injury, it appears. Although, you know, it looked like he may have injured the thumb early in the Miami game. And, you know, from anyone who saw any play of the Dolphins-Bucks game, it obviously didn't bother Brady at all. I think, I mean, Brady, I know he didn't have the best game against his former team in the Patriots. But it really seems like that Bucks team is just playing great all-around football right now. I think, you know, against a Philly team that is playing better than many expected and is playing some solid football, I do expect Tampa to get the win. Yeah, I mean, the Eagles played a really impressive fourth quarter against a Carolina defense that had dominated most of the game. And they were able to kind of will themselves back in it. You saw a lot from... Uh, from Jalen Hurts just like making making things happen and I think it's a a big win for them last week uh, and shows that this is a team that you know can compete potentially it's not a team that's going to hang it up this season um, especially good for Nick Sirianni but they're playing the reigning Super Bowl champs and as good as the Eagles are playing they are still a just a less talented football team right they're they're a subpar football team playing one of the best in the business. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Bucks to win this game. Um, they've they've just been kind of firing on all cylinders. Um, you mentioned they got slowed down a little bit against New England, but I I'm almost attributing that maybe foolishly to to maybe a little bit of woes heading into to heading into Foxborough and and and, and Brady and the storyline. Uh, you know, sometimes when all that drama builds up, it can't help but be kind of a kind of a, 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 ga- a game that kind of seems uh, not controversial, but, you know, uh, tight and tight. Close. Right. And I think we all know the way to beat the Bucks is obviously get pressure on Brady, which I think the Eagles can do, but also attack that secondary. That secondary wasn't very strong to begin the season. Now they're dealing with all those injuries. You know, I like Devontae Smith. Jalen Rager looks like a solid player. Maybe not the first-round pick he was, but still a really nice player. He's playing very well this year much better than last year. I just don't know if the Eagles have the overall firepower to really, really go after some of those uh, inexperienced cornerbacks of the Buccaneers. Well, someone to watch might be Quez Watkins. He is a burner. He can turn on the Jets. Uh, someone who's clearly come alive um, in some of these games here for the Eagles. So he, he's he's a name to watch. But yeah, generally I agree. Um, it's it's going to be hard for Jalen Hurts to really make things happen considering um, that line is still a little bit beat up and they're going against one of the better pass rushers in football. Right. And, I mean, if you're Philly, though, there are definitely, uh, you know, areas to be excited about. You know, you're playing competitive football. You're playing better than a lot of people expected. Not to mention, as of right now, you have three top ten picks. So you're stacked for the draft, and especially if Jalen Hurts is the guy potentially moving forward, you can use those picks to build around Hurts and not have to use one of them to take a quarterback, which frees up a lot of different possibilities if you're the Eagles. Absolutely. So for the second straight week, we have a London game. 
you know, every every London year, you know, obviously not last year, but every year there's a London game, the Jaguars play. So this is the, I guess, usual annual, again, not last year, but annual Jaguars-London game is there hosting the Miami Dolphins. Jaguars, I mean, I feel like they played a little better as of late. They didn't, you know, the score may have lopsided the victory a little towards Tennessee. I don't know. I feel like the Jaguars last two weeks have been playing better than maybe the first two weeks indicated. Having said that, the Dolphins, you know, they're playing okay football. They're not great. They're definitely underperforming. But I just have so many questions about this Jaguars team, the consistencies this Jaguars team has, or lack thereof, I really should say, and just the leadership at any level. You know, you look for it at the head coaching position. Urban Meyer, through five weeks, has not shown to be a leader at the NFL level. I think Trevor Lawrence can be, but asking a rookie to take over that situation and be a leader is very tough to do. I don't blame Lawrence, but I think he still has a little bit to go before he really completely embraces that leadership role of Jet in Jacksonville. And Miami, you know, even with Jacoby Brissett, you know, they they were competitive. I mean, not last week, but even, you know, early on they hung with the Bucks before the defense kind of just caved in and Tampa put up 45 on them. But, you know, we saw against a Vegas team that at the time I believe was undefeated, you know, they forced overtime. I like the Dolphins in this game. I think the Jaguars will, you know, potentially be able to put up some points. I think that offense, even with the absence of DJ Chark, seems to be trending in the right direction. But also, you know, with Tua back, you know, we'll see how he performs in his first game back from injury if he does indeed play. I like the Dolphins. I just think they're they're just a more fundamentally sound team than Jacksonville is, and they just have better leadership. Absolutely. And I, I think it starts with the coaching. I mean, we know that Brian Flores seems taking a step back, which year that team clearly has. But you look on the other side, and an Urban Meyer squad. The, the bar is not set very high. Exactly. I mean, you're talking about, a, talking about a locker room that he's lost. There's a lack of, I think, respect for him. And, and obviously, when that doesn't happen, when you can't look up to someone, uh, that coach who you're playing for, there's it, it, there's a lack of cohesion, you know, and, and, and it just it really shows in the way that Jacksonville's playing. Um, and I think on such a young team, you need that from your coaching staff, right. as, you know, particularly the head coach. Yo, know, if you have more of a veteran team or at least some veteran leadership at each position, although you don't want what happened with Urban Meyer to transpire, but you leadership wise you can maybe get through it to an extent. This team's so young, so inexperienced that in some ways that's nice, you know. You like some of the pieces that they're have in Jacksonville and that they're building. On the other hand, when something like this does happen, you know, who do the players look to for that leadership to kind of stand in front of the team and address it have a players only meeting who's going to pull that together there's just a lack of that in Jacksonville and at no fault of their own because of their inexperience but this is I feel like the one problem when you have such a young team and I feel like that was kind of Urban Meyer's calling card his leadership his energy that is because let's think about it he's not a scheme guy he's never coached in the NFL before he's here for his energy that kind of leadership that charisma uh that really that really drew him uh to, to the cons in, in Jacksonville. And when your coach doesn't fly back coach. with you, I mean, it's hard to After look... a loss. I feel like, you know, if they had won, I'm not saying... It would have been bad regardless, but I feel like it's after terrible a tough loss, uh, you know, it's kind of like, who can we rely on? Who can we talk to? 
because, uh, you know, losing those tight games, you know, they, it takes a lot out of you. Yeah, and I, I just think when that's supposed to be the thing that you rely on and the thing that the players lean on, and that is just absolutely just out the window, it, it, it's going to be really hard for for them to respect me. I think you can see that in, in, in Urban Meyer. He knows that he's lost this locker room, and I don't know how he's going to get it back. Anyway, I picking the Dolphins as well. Um, I also think that Jacoby Brissett should be the starter when, uh, when slash even if I want to see. Tua I, is I think ready. you know because of Tua's youth, I want to give Tua another chance. Uh, especially you know this Dolphins team it's not like they're four and one or anything. So I do want to give Tua at least one or two more chances, just because he has so much talent and is so young. And I feel like Jacoby Brissett has some talent, but he has a very capped ceiling and I think we kind of you kind of know what you're getting overall with Brissett with Tua I I think there's a potential there that you know unless make sure he's 100% healthy before throwing him out there but I, I want to see what they have in Tua because you know there's a chance that if they you know they don't have their first round pick or they don't have their first round pick but I do believe they have a first round pick next year so over the next year or two I think you need to establish is Tua the guy because then if he's not you're looking at taking another quarterback i i think i think that's right i just think this is a team that needs to win it's a get right game and i and i think even in the future this is a team that but wants then to so compete. what are you gonna forget right games you're gonna start Brissett, and for games you don't feel great no, about you're I gonna start Tua. further until Brissett proves that he should no longer be the starter i think you start to go be Brissett. Tua's had his opportunities he's had those ability he's had those opportunities to be confident to get confident and he's just it hasn't come to fruition. This is a team that needs to win. They have the talent to win. Uh, they need to get be, together. He did. Be, I know New England's not a great team, but he did go into New England and beat the Patriots in Week One. I feel like that does say something. I think the Patriots' level of football then was the lowest it was all season, and that's fair. But I do, you know, I do think that that I should say something about you know a quarterback in a tough environment. Right. I I I think yeah. We we stand a little bit differently here, but. Uh, uh, it'll be interesting to 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 watch uh, how that Dolphins team progresses into the year, what direction they take. So now we go to one of the toughest games to pick of the week, at least in my opinion. Minnesota Vikings, a narrow, narrow win against their division rival Lions, taking on the Carolina Panthers, who, you know, they still sit at 3-2, and two, but losing back-to-back games to NFC East teams, I kind of expected it against Dallas. Against Philly... I definitely thought it would be a good game, a close game, but that offense really struggled. Yeah, I mean, it's it seemed like it was kind of started to gain rhythm in the beginning of the game and then all of a sudden just lost it. And I think you got to credit that Philly, uh, Philly secondary. They've played well. Uh, uh, Darius Slay is playing just much better, more like the guy that they thought they were trading for uh, back when you know he was getting traded from Detroit to Philly, a lot of people forget he was a you know all pro caliber corner with the Lions, and he kind of just fell off a cliff last year. He's not an all pro, but it seems like he's at least trending in the right direction. Yeah, I I, I mean I've picked the, the the Panthers I think the last two or three weeks. You picked them against Dallas. I did pick them against you did Dallas. Pick them against I Dallas. picked them against your your. Um, I picked him against Philly, Philly. which I did uh, too. I, that, I did think that would be a close game. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick him again. <laughs> um, and the Vikings, you know, they, 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 they've shown some things, and then they've also seemed really lost at times. 
Um, but I think there's a general upward trend there, I want to say, with, with Minnesota's play. And I'll say this. Although the win against Detroit, a team that I think we both agree isn't as good as them, although it's probably too close for comfort, winning those tight games, I think, does say a lot about character and just builds up confidence in your team that, hey, we can win these close games. You know, they really could have folded when, you know, Madison fumbles, they gave up the touchdown, they gave up the two-point conversion. They easily could have folded and... You know, I know this wasn't, you know, like the 85 Bears defense they were going going up against, but, you know, Kirk Cousins has shown some inconsistencies late in the fourth quarter, you know, regardless of the situation. So I did think it says a lot for him to drive down the field, get that game-winning field goal. Yeah, I mean, for me... Remember, this team, almost, yeah. this team, you know, if not for a missed field goal, would have beaten the Cardinals, who are 5-0. Right. That's, a, that's a great point. I, you know, I think for me, this game comes down to, can Sam Darnold be protected can he feel comfortable and, and just deliver the ball because this this minnesota secondary is not the strong point of that defense if he can have time to throw i believe that this carolina offense will be able to move the ball uh, w- w- with some efficiency um and then the other side is can carolina secondary which they've put you know a lot of well, stock keep into, in mind they have it horns uh, yeah. in, horns injured i i really like horn look great uh, through the first few games. They got to get healthy. He's he's not playing. Gilmore is still, I think, has to still sit out one game because he's on the PUP list. So, although I like C.J. Henderson, he's really struggled. And, you know, I know, you know, it's not maybe the Dallas receivers they're facing, but Thielen and Jefferson are two very good receivers, maybe the most underrated duo in the league. Vikings, you know, I know, I feel like they have some trouble with their offensive line, but yet they're always able to consistently run the ball well, regardless of who's the running back, whether it's Madison or Cook. So I'm actually going to go with the Vikings. Wow. I feel like the Panthers maybe should be the favorites here, but I'm going to go with the road upset. I feel like the, this Vikings offense, although it wasn't great against Detroit, they have the pieces. And I am worried, at least in this point of the season, about Carolina's secondary. I think their future is bright, and I think this is more of a... Not a re- I don't want to say rebuilding year, but almost a building up year. Maybe they're one or two years away. I, I right. I think like especially if they can bring Gilmore back. I I really am looking forward to seeing this Panthers team next year. You know, seeing the development that they go. Yeah, you know, it looks like they have the right guy in Matt Rule to be their head coach. But as I said, this is still a team that's I think building towards something and not already there. And I think the Vikings. You know, I don't know how bright their future is. But I think right now they're a slightly better team than the Panthers. And, you know, if they, again, as I said, you know, Greg Joseph makes his kicks. They actually beat the Cardinals in Arizona, which, you know, looking back on it seems, you know, seems really impressive. So I'm going to go with the road upset. I'm going to go with the Vikings. I think they'll, you know, even a really, even against a really good Panthers defense, I think they'll be able to run the ball somewhat consistent, somewhat consistently. And I think with Thielen and Jefferson, I think they're going to find mismatches in the, in that secondary. That's still really banked up and has a bright future. But again, at this point, I have, I have my concerns. Right. I mean, the Vikings win this game by taking the top off that Panthers secondary. But the Panthers, if they can I, put pressure on Kirk ways. Cousins, you know. It could go both ways because I think both defenses have really questionable secondaries. I think that's right. So now, maybe this, this might be the best game. This might be, I think, the only thing I'm disappointed about this game is it's it's at 1 o'clock. It's a 1 o'clock game. Like, they really couldn't have, you know, I know we're too early for flexing games, but they really couldn't have at least made this the 425 game. Or, mm-hmm. And we're obviously talking about the Los Angeles Chargers, my MVP pick, Justin Herbert, looking better and better every week. 
taking on and traveling to Baltimore, take on the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson, you know, obviously he had won an MVP. He had so many great performances. But it almost felt like that was like a signature performance. Almost like a a season-defining performance by Lamar Jackson. I know you're not as high on that performance as I am. He did make some mistakes. But I almost think that plays a part in it. He wasn't great in the first half. He had a costly fumble at the goal line. He was by far imperfect in that first half. But when the Ravens needed him most, really in the last, you know, 17 minutes, he stepped up. He was fantastic. You know, got the ball to Mark Andrews, got the ball to Marquise Brown, found the open guy, drove the ball really at will against a Colts defense that has struggled this year, but I think we thought would be better before the season began. So for me, that was a signature performance, a signature quarter for Lamar Jackson. I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens. This game is in Baltimore. That definitely plays a role into it, knowing that it's outside. We don't really know what the weather's going to be like, but you know, just having it outside versus you know inside in LA, I think in my mind that does make a difference. This Ravens defense has been a disappointment. No Marcus Peters, I think, is you know hurting that Ravens secondary. At the same time, Odafe Owe or Odafe Owe, uh, their rookie edge rusher, has played fantastic football. He's looked like you know a first round steal when they got him at the back end. They might be getting Rashad Bateman, their other first round pick back for the first time. So I'm gonna go with the Ravens. I think this this is a definitely a high scoring game, but I think based on what we saw from Lamar Jackson, you know, this past Monday night, I think he carries that momentum into a really tough game against. Really, this is a game between two playoff teams and two teams that we could see play again come January. I I hear you. Um, I think you can't ask Lamar to do that every night. And I think there are so but many... But can you ask Justin Herbert to do what he did on Sunday every week? I think he's shown the more consistency in that regard. Which is fair. And he, But he's... I I still don't... I mean, five touchdowns and 400 yards, that's a lot for anyone. Even, even as we saw, even like Patrick Mahomes. Right, but they were playing a really good team, and they needed him. The Ravens, historically, have been really bad against against above 500 opponents, especially trailing. This is a big step for Lamar Jackson, but has he shown he could do this and will his team back with his arm before? No. That's, I mean, that's the reality of it. And people are going to call me a homer, Lamar Jackson hater, as a Steelers fan. Maybe, but like, uh, it, in, all, in all seriousness, I, I just... I think I can expect that more from Herbert. I feel more comfortable putting the game on Herbert's arm. I'm going to go with the Chargers here. Um, But it's mostly because I like this Chargers defense more than I like this Baltimore defense. Uh, Baltimore's defense struggled last night. They were... uh, Two nights ago. Two nights ago, rather. On Monday night. Um, The secondary, which which was such a strength, turned into a weakness. I mean... They were just Colts. Seemed like they were always Colts open down the field. Um, Anthony Averett was a punching bag all night. Clearly missing Marcus Peters uh, at corner. And I, I get it. Odafei Owe is single handedly providing their pass rush, but he's going up against another rookie who has been really also good this year. I think he's gone under the radar a little bit in Rashawn Slater, and he's neutralized guys like Chase Young before. I think that's a matchup to watch. And I kind of like Slater there. Um, I I recognize this Chargers defense isn't very good, has not played particularly well. It will be a high-scoring affair. But when all is said and all is done, 
give me Justin Herbert against a struggling Raiders def- uh, Ravens defense. And I love Herbert, too. I do think he's going to have a big game. He was my MVP pick. So you obviously, you obviously know how I feel about Herbert. Josh Allen isn't doing too badly right now. No, he's not. He's not. In fact, I think when you look at the odds currently, I think Allen is actually the favorite. So, I'll, yeah, I'll give you credit there. I, I, I feel like Allen was a more obvious pick. Right, no, so, I'm giving you more credit. Sure. That's all I ask. <laughs> So now we're going to, this will be a blowout. The Rams taking on the Giants. Daniel Jones and Andrew Thomas were playing so incredibly well. And I think, I'm not, the Giants were still not playing well. As a team, as a whole, they were not making the playoffs. But there was promise, knowing that the sixth overall pick, the fourth overall pick were playing so well. Really what you thought you were getting. Like, Andrew Thomas was playing just as well as any of the other uh, 2020 offensive tackles that were drafted that year. Kadarius Tony, you know, I was not a homer. <laughs> I was not a homer. Shy and I, we watched the draft together. We did it over Zoom. Uh, we typically at least call each other during the draft every year. So, you know, we know our each other's reactions. You can, you know, back me up on this. I was not a fan of the Tony pick. I did not defend it. I was not a homer on it. I did not like the Tony pick. It's only been two games, but he has looked like a first-round pick. I mean, he just looked every bit like a first-round pick the last two games. First three games, they really didn't work him into the offense as much with absences from guys like Shepard, Slayton, and Galladay they've been forced to. And he's really risen up to the occasion. If he plays and he's dealing with, you know, some nicks and bruises. So if he does play, you know, I think he's going to continue to play well. You know, he's so far, he's proven me wrong. And, you know, people are going to say, oh, it's the Kadarius Tony versus Odell Beckham Jr., you know, they're comparing them. It's New York. It's what you get. It's the media, you know, New York media. We know how they uh, sometimes can be, at least. I, obviously, I'm not going to make any comparisons. Odell was just such a superstar from the first time he took the field, you know, in his rookie year. But Kadarius Tony, I mean, I mean, ten cat, what, ten catches, 189 yards. I don't care what defense you're playing, or if you're a rookie or a 20 year vet. That's incredibly difficult to do, and. His ability to make people miss, I think his route running, he still needs to develop. But I think at this point in his career, it's pretty solid. Kadarius Tony's playing like the 20th overall pick that the Giants made him out to be. So I think it's almost, you know, frustrating that all these, you know, young players for the Giants, they're finally coming into their own. They're finally stepping up. You know, Thomas is injured. He was active, but he didn't play. You know, he he had a foot injury. He's He's injured. We'll see if he plays against the Rams. We also had Daniel Jones. I mean that that was that look that hit looked brutal. Yeah, I hope for Jones' sake he's okay and he's just you know func- you know being able to you know function you know just at a regular human level. Uh, so but you know I was gonna pick the Rams coming in anyway, but now you're missing some of your better players and yes, so far this year Jones and Thomas have been their two best players. Mike Glennon, fine backup, but he doesn't really make a difference. You know Jones with his rushing ability had something that at least the Rams had to, you know, account for. I just think the Rams take care of business pretty easily. Even if Jones plays, we don't know how how well he'll play in terms of coming off the concussion. Galladay's going to be injured or and not play. Saquon's obviously out as well. This defense has taken a massive, massive step back under Patrick Graham. Joe Judge has taken a step back as a head coach. This Giants team in a lot of areas has have gotten has gotten worse. And the areas where I had my greatest concern, Jones and the offensive line, the offensive line hasn't been good, but, you know, Jones and the offensive line have played better than I expected. And, you know, it's 
it's just a shame that the rest of this team has gotten worse. And, you know, hopefully for Jones' sake, this concussion doesn't, you know, doesn't move him back towards it, you know, and regress him too much because he was really playing his best football and playing, like, you know, really good football and not just, you know, for, you know, compared to what he has in the past. He, you know, through the first four weeks, I thought he was at, you know, about an average, even slightly above average quarterback. Yeah, Dayton Jones, Andrew Thomas, Kerry Sonny, play, all playing really good football. Um, but for me, this game would come down to the Giants' defense. I mean, I thought the Rams would win anyway. Right, exactly. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I thought I would have picked the Rams regardless, but I think factoring on all these young, promising players having injuries, whether they play or not... It might be a route. It might. I think it could potentially be a route. Even if they play, we don't know how healthy they'll be. Exactly. I'll, I'm going to take the Rams here, too. I just don't think this... Uh, Giants defense right now is cut out to match the explosion of of uh this Rams offense when it's firing on all cylinders. So um hopefully the Giants can can get healthy again. It's it was exciting to watch Giants football. Uh, uh, exciting to watch I mean, Daniel Jones. You know, for all, you know, yes, the final score it was a blowout, but at the half, you know, there's a point it was ten ten with two minutes left in the half. So you know the Giants. You know when Jones was under there, it wasn't always pretty. And some of the throws, like the throw to Kadarius Tony for Jones, was just an, an unreal throw. Two defenders in the area, third and you know third down, heaves it you know thirty forty yards on the field as he's about to get destroyed. So J- Jones is just playing very very good football. So you know hopefully, you know this doesn't. It's not a huge setback for his progression. So now we go Texans. Uh, Texans played well last week. Taking on the new. I mean. They believe they look. I know you. You know maybe it's the Patriots didn't play well, but I mean we both thought the Patriots would blow out Houston, and you know Houston made it. Houston definitely made it a game. I mean that was a very close game. Uh, you know if you want to say it was more New England, okay, but I think we do have to give Houston some credit at least. Taking on the Indianapolis Colts, gut wrenching loss to Baltimore. Colts really bad start to the season. They beat Miami, with you know Colts banged up along their offensive line. They beat Miami. And now it's looking like they might go into Baltimore on national TV, primetime, and beat the Ravens. And they blow it, couldn't get a stop, blink and chip misses the potential game-winning field, or what would have been the game-winning field goal. They lose in overtime. I'm, I think the Colts have a bounce-back week based on who they're playing, but that loss to Baltimore, putting them at 1-4, that may have, I know they're in a pretty poor division, so it's tough to say they're completely out of it. But I feel like that loss to Baltimore, especially in the fashion in which they lost, almost puts the nail in the coffin. Is Frank Reich on the hot seat, Alex? Let me ask you that. I think, look, I think, you know, maybe the seat's getting warm. I think it's getting warm, but I feel like it would have to be a total, total debacle, collapse, whatever you want to say, for him to be fired. The season have to resemble that game, Alex, in other words. Yes, yes. Uh, I think now, because he's been so good in the past, I think we do have to, you know, I, if a coach has three or four good years and then has a terrible year, I don't think it's safe to say, or fair to say, you know, fire the coach for that one bad year. So if I were Chris Ballard, if I were, you know, the Colts front office, I would, I wouldn't, um, you know, fire Reich after this year unless you go like two and 15 or something like that, like something like really atrocious. But I definitely think it's, it possibly is getting warmer and could set up a more frantic situation heading into next year. I think that's very fair. Um, yeah, the Colts, like, that's inexcusable. Like, however you cut it, 
that is something that can't happen. And to me, it's it was, hard. It was me, twenty-two to three at the very end, of right? The, near nearing the end of the third quarter. It's hard to put that on Carson Wentz in that Colts Carson offense. Wentz, and he, Carson, he played a good game. He played a great game, and even after all of that, even after the Ravens came back, tied the game, were unstoppable. He led him to a field goal, Neil Range. Like they were in, it wasn't like a fifty-seven yard field. It was a forty-seven yard field goal. That's a makeable field goal at the NFL level. Carson Wentz played a fantastic game and was maybe the last reason why the Colts lost that game. Exactly. I mean, maybe you say, oh, the Colts should actually outplay them. If Rodrigo Blankenship doesn't have his kicking woes or in- just said he was injured, I don't, I don't I, know. I saw he may have had like, some hip issue. Uh, right. You, know, you could make an argument, oh, they played a better game. They should have won. I mean, sure, but it's just, to me, inexcusable to, to kind of blow that lead when you're really dominating the other team and you allow them to will it back. I understand it's at home. I understand it's Lamar Jackson, but still, that Colts defense, and that and it goes on coaching too, it needs to be better. It's just, that that, that cannot happen. And I'll also mention special teams. The block, the resetting, I mean, Chris Campbell was basically untouched. And that's on special teams. That's also on coaching. Carson once played his tail off. He gave the Colts every you know reason to win, every opportunity to win. Colts couldn't come through, not on Wentz. I think we're both going with Indianapolis because although it was a debacle of how the game ended, they did play well. Like, I thought the Ravens would win. I just didn't think they would win in that fashion. And when it was 22-3, I thought the Colts had it. Now they're playing, you know, a much less talented team with less talent at the quarterback position with Houston, you know, having Davis Mills, who has shown signs, especially for a guy who's a third-round pick. But... Yeah, the Colts, I think, are just a more talented team. Wentz played well. I know Baltimore has had their defensive struggles, but they still have a better defense than Houston does. I, I think Wentz, you know, continues his momentum, playing some good football over the last couple of weeks. I think that continues, and the Colts get the win. Yeah, I'll take the Colts as well. I think they're just going to run Jonathan Taylor at him for the whole game, and that should be a reps, recipe for success. One thing that also makes the Ravens' loss so much harder is because all of a sudden, if you hold on to that game and you beat Houston, you're 3-3, three and three, and in a poor division, I, this might be the worst division in football. You got a shot. I would say more than a shot. I would think you're right in the thick of it. Cause Especially they know, with Tennessee. Tennessee's not subpar. playing well at all, and you know they have a tough match. We'll talk about it later, but they have a tough matchup against Buffalo this week. I would if the Colts had hung on, or even if Blankenship makes the game winning field goal, the Colts have maybe just as good a shot as any team in that division. Well, let's not count them out yet. Season's still young, but we'll you know definitely a game that would have put them uh, in in position to take to make a claim on this division. Right, right. So now we're going to the disappointing and struggling Kansas City Chiefs. Words that I did not think I would say, and. Something I praise, I've been praising about the Chiefs for, you know, since 2018. I thought they handled the Patrick Mahomes situation to perfection. Sat him for most of the year, learned behind Alex Smith, learned behind Andy Reid, had guys like Travis Kelsey, had guys like Tyreek Hill. So when he stepped in, he was already, you know, the knock on him was he's not NFL ready, he's too turnover prone. Well, when he, because of the great situation around him, I feel like it took some pressure off of his shoulders and allowed him to ease in the first few weeks so that, mm-hmm. you know, when he when he was ready, he could completely take the league by storm and take over that offense. And I think that year sitting behind, you know, Alex Smith also helped him. Now the Chiefs are asking him to play hero ball. 
and I feel like there's just so much pressure on Mahomes' shoulders that, you know, if we don't score on this drive, our, def- our defense isn't getting stopped. We need to score on every drive. My receivers are dropping the ball. I have to throw it better. I have to force the ball. Patrick Mahomes, I feel like, is feeling so much. And I'm not, you know, making excuses because Mahomes hasn't been playing well either. And he has to learn not to take some of those chances that I think we saw going back to his days at Texas Tech in college. But, yeah, I feel like the Chiefs have done him no favors because they're almost telling Mahomes with their play, specifically on the defensive side of the ball, that if if you go one drive without scoring, you, we might not win the game because we can't get a stop. Exactly. Most of it's on that defense, but also... And it has that ripple effect towards the offense and Mahomes. Let me say, when you're a team that... This is a team that's run capable. They're capable of running the ball. Are but, they? <laughs> but they choose not to, and that offensive line has been fairly good in pass protection, but it feels like whenever they you know, want to lean on that run to you know, have possession of the ball, give their defense some rest... There's just no, not, not enough push, not enough momentum. And I think the receiver, Hill, has his, you know, had the three-touchdown game against Philly, and then the pick six was not on Mahomes. I know in the in the stat sheet, you know, it'll say Mahomes through the pick six. It goes right through Tyreek's hands. Yeah. I mean, Tyreek yeah. Hill has had some you know decent drop issues this year, like he did in the Super Bowl. Super Bowl, I kind of thought, oh, you know, it happens. Everyone has a bad game. But it's shown now a few weeks here. And again, that's not on Mahomes. So Mahomes could... Needs to be taking better better care of the football. But, I mean, I think he just feels like I have to make every throw perfect because my guys aren't catching the ball as well as they have in the past, and the defense is giving up seven on every possession. They exactly. do take on the Washington football team, an offense that's been playing pretty good, pretty well, uh, over the last few weeks, especially with Heineke under center. But Chase Young has zero sacks. And I know, you know, you can look at pressures they might be, you know, more indicative of future performance. But, yeah, Chase Young has zero sacks. This Washington defense as a whole is playing pretty poor. I'm going to go with the Chiefs because, you know, this isn't the Bills offense, Washington, although they have been playing pretty well over the last couple weeks. I just think the Chiefs, they're just a more talented team. Yeah, I mean, if this Washington defense was playing better, was playing like last year, I think they, you know, maybe they would have a chance. No, I think they win this game. I'm going to say it. I think Washington's defense is playing like it was last year. But it's, they no, were it's, no, it's not even close. Exactly. It, it's nowhere close right. to last year. And I think this could be a competitive game. I actually do. Um, I think it potentially can be. Right. But I, I wouldn't bet on it, but I think it potentially can. At the end of the day, I think you know the Chiefs are more talented. And I think when the talent discrepancy is this large, I do think talent kind of takes over. Right. Um and and the Washington offense has played well, but not well enough. They played better under Heineke. I uh, well, like I think they have played actually pretty well overall, but not well enough to keep up with Patrick with a Patrick Mahomes led offense. Right. So we're both going with uh, Chiefs. Kansas City uh, there. I, yeah, we're both going with the Chiefs. But I just because they win this game, those problems don't go away. Well, I think they need a get right game from everyone. This right. needs to be a get right game for the defense, the offense, you. I don't the coaching staff, everyone. This when you play a team. When there's such a large talent discrepancy, that means you you can't just beat them. You need to get your act together, play fundamentally sound football, and not just rely on your talent. Because if you're just relying on talent, you're not going to get very far in the NFL. Right. So now going to another, you know, really a, a, a decently good division game. Obviously, Packers-Bears. I, I think we're both going with Green Bay. I, I don't know. But it's also that old that old rivalry. 
I think whenever the Packers Bears, it's going to be at least decent. It should be fun, especially with, you know, Justin Fields, you know, should be playing this week. Had to come out a few plays against Vegas. He's played well. He's played okay. You know, he's played, I think, a lot like a rookie. Um, right. He's made some nice plays, made great throws. Been he's, electric. Yeah, and at time, but at the same time, you know, the Bears aren't putting 30 on their opponents. Big win against the Vegas. That may not have been him, right. you know, winning, what, 20-9. <laughs> to nine, But... Yeah, you know, a big you know that builds confidence no matter what the score is. If you're if you're a young quarterback, knowing what the Raiders have done this past season, I am gonna go with the Packers. You know, even with all their missed kicks, I mean, Bengals playing really well last week. Uh, this Packers offense, though, I feel like it's getting better and better each and every week. They're playing much better than they did in that Week One debacle against the Saints. I like the Packers in this one against their division opponent. They're just a better team. You know, a division game in Chicago, maybe the Bears can keep it close early, but I think the back, the Packers pull away. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Packers as well. And, I, you know, the Bears have been an interesting team to follow. You know, they're, they're, they've had some moments where they've looked really good. They're kind of... Um, they're 3-2, and two, I believe. They're 3-2. and two. They, they, they played solid football, and this defense seems to be coming along, getting a little bit better each week. I think there's definitely some positive progression, and they're looking more and more... You know, like the Bears team that thought that I thought coming second in this division. Um, that being said, I, I I think the Packers win this game. I think it's a close game. Um, and last week against the Bengals, people are going to want to you know be like, oh, the Bengals. The Bengals are are a solid football team. Bengals are definitely playing better than I think a lot of people expected, specifically that offense. And, and I, then the defense actually hasn't been terrible, which you know coming into the year I thought it kind of. Might be. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we'll, I, get, we'll get to the Bengals in just a sec. But, yeah, I'm going to take the, the the Packers here as well. I just think they're in position. I think for them, they might see this as a little bit of a bounce-back game, um, even though I think winning those type of games are, are important uh, uh, close. Yeah, they, their running game is you know playing really well. I really love the kind of how they're using A.J. Dillon to complement Aaron Jones. You know, you don't, I don't know if I go as far as saying it's a running back by committee, but they're really using him. You know, I don't know if I'll say I agree with the A.J. Dillon pick in the second round, but I do like the way that they're, you know, complimenting each other, Dillon and Jones. Definitely. So now we turn to those aforementioned Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Detroit Lions in Detroit. Poor Lions. I mean, they're playing so well. I, I've, they're finding so many ways to lose. They, again, though, two first-round picks for the, over the next two years. I've said it time and time again. I like the way the Lions are trending, despite their offer in the win column. I think the Lions, you know, I know the Bengals demons has been playing better than I think we expected, but I think Jared Goff and the Lions will be able to put up some points. I think the Lions can make this game close. We just know this Lions defense is not, you know, very good. I know they own, they had Minnesota to 19 points last week. But overall, this defense is just not very good for the Lions. And a Bengals offense that is playing explosive right now, getting contributions from just about everyone. Burrow to Chase is one, seems to be one of the better quarterback-wide receiver tandems already. I, I just think this Bengals offense is going to be able to put up, you know, potentially 30-plus on, on Detroit and, you know, just outscore them. Yeah, the way that the Lions win this game is keep the Bengals off the field, run the ball effectively. But the Bengals' defensive line has been very good at stopping the run this year. Um, and I think with Frank Ragnow out for the year, that's a huge loss for them, Alex. So 
Could they possess the ball here? Yes, but I think probably not enough to keep Joe Burrow in that Cincinnati offense or putting up enough points where uh, it's going to be difficult for for Jared Goff. And the Cincy offense is so explosive that they don't need much time. They don't need much time to score. Detroit could have a long 10-play drive, and Cincy can come back in four plays and match up. Exactly. So we're both going to go with, with the, Bengals. the Bengals. Yeah, we're both going with Cincinnati. I think Detroit, you know, potentially they could be able to score, make things interesting. But again, I just think that Bengals offense will be too much for Detroit to handle. Yeah, I think I think at some point, I keep saying this, at some point we're going to pick Detroit to get a win. But, I mean, the, there's an upward progression. and uh, I think you have to like what you've seen so far from guys like Dan Campbell. Exactly. Goff, I mean, Goff, I know, you know there's like the whole thing, Goff hasn't won a game without Tom McVay. Some of these losses aren't on him, though. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's been a, a pleasant surprise, I think, for them. Right, a steady guy at the quarterback position has, you know, we talked about leadership or lack thereof with the Jaguars. You know, I know Goff is still young himself, but as a guy who, he's been to a Super Bowl, he's been to the playoffs multiple times, I think he has, you know, on a young coaching staff and a young front office, I think he's provided some leadership as well. So now we go to the afternoon games, another fantastic game. I mean, you were talking about you know, Chargers-Ravens might be the best of the week. This easily could be the best of the week. The undefeated Arizona Cardinals, words that I didn't think I'd be saying. I didn't think I'd be saying them after week one. I, I thought they would lose to the Titans week one, and here we are heading into week six, and they're 5-0. and They're 5-0, and and they're playing some good teams. They're playing some good teams. This isn't, you know, it's not like they played the Giants, Jets, Jaguars, you know, the bottom five or anything. Like, they're playing good teams, and you know, they did play the Jaguars. But overall, I mean, the Cardinals are a deserving 5-0 and team. And that defense, and, you know, Kyler might be the MVP frontrunner right now, but that defense, I think, has been the biggest surprise on this team because I thought, as I thought I really liked that offense heading into the year, but I just didn't think they'd be able to go, you know, anywhere of significance because I just thought that defense, specifically the secondary, would really hold them back. So far, that has totally not been the case. Yeah, they, they've they been able, I think it starts with kind of the fact that they're stopping the run and then able to tee off on the quarterback. And Byron Murphy is playing like the guy we thought he could coming out of Washington. Yeah, and can I give you an unsung hero on, the, on that on that uh, Colonel's defense? Zach Allen in the middle, just eating up blocks and just being a force in the interior. I mean, that, I think that's a name that a lot of guys forgot about. On this out, I believe, yeah, coming out of Boston College, I liked the pick at the time, but it seemed like he'd be maybe just a complimentary piece. Connors Davis just playing overall really good football. Yeah. And, you know, and they're opportunistic. They get the plays. They get the splash when needed. And at first, I was like, that's how they're going to be good. They're only going to get, you know, those splash plays occasionally. I don't know how consistently they can do it. But now they're showing that ability to stop the run consistently. And, and that's going to feed into better better pass coverage. And I know they were playing a rookie quarterback last week. But winning a game 17-10, to 10, that's impressive. Because I thought if they were going to... Be five and zero. They would have to win every game like thirty five, thirty one, or by scores of that nature. Winning games thirty four twenty against the Rams, seventeen ten. That really has caught me by surprise. It's been really impressive to watch from the Cardinals. Taking on the Cleveland Browns, though, I'm gonna go with the Cardinals. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I've doubted them at times. I've doubted them at times. Pick the Rams to beat them. Pick the Titans to beat them back in Week One. It is in Cleveland, which gives me a lot of, you know, uneasiness about him. I think if this game were in Arizona, I'd be a lot more confident. But I think, you know, know, we can debate Kyler versus Justin Herbert, but that Browns defense really struggled last week. 
I think this Cardinals offense is going to be able to have a much more successful game than last week against San Francisco. I think this Cardinals offense is going to be explosive. I think the Browns will see how much they can exploit this Cardinals defense, but Cardinals defense really good at stopping the run and getting some solid quarter cornerback play, especially from Byron Murphy. So I'm going to pick the Cardinals to edge out the Browns, but it's going to be a really good game. And with the game being in Cleveland, it's really tough to pick. I'm going to stand by my prediction uh, that, that Cleveland will be the best team in this division. And I think I think that they are, you know, and, it, and it's close for me, you, you know, but I, I, I like them to win this game um, and just really, really get back on track. And it starts with that defense. I thought this defense would be kind of uh, propelling them. It would, it would be very complimentary, if not defense, you know, being... A, a, a team that you know runs the ball a lot, plays play action, but has a really strong defense. But that has fact, not been the case. I mean, they played hasn't. Pretty, against. It's been inconsistent. You know, they play well against Minnesota. They were terrible last week. You know, you looked at the the Chiefs game. Played great for three quarters, blew it late. This Browns defense has been very inconsistent. Right, they need to bring it together there. But I think this the fact that they're in the position they're in and and just showing signs of development. I think it will get back on track. Um, I, but can they get back on track for like a three, four week stretch, not just get back on track a week here, a week there? I'm confident in, in the in the talent, the young talent that they have there. Um I I and I also I think that the fa- that they'll this is gonna be a test for this Cardinals defensive line as well. Can they, you know, stop one of the better running games in football? And the reality is I don't think so. Uh Cleveland's a really good offensive line. And we're going to talk about that Cardinals defense, how they're kind of maybe the opposite of Cleveland's in the way that, that, that they're performing. Um, but I just think at home... Uh, that, that's it, what, like, if it were in Arizona, I'd feel more confident about the Cardinals pick. I'm going to go with the Cardinals still. But in Cleveland, definitely, I'm on the fence. Yeah, I, I just think Cleveland's going to run the ball enough, keep it close, and I think maybe they'll have the ball, you know... Have be the last to have the ball and then be able to to eke out something at the end of the game. So now we go to the four and one Dallas Cowboys taking on the New England Patriots. That Cowboys defense, like, again, I'm not, I'm a little bit surprised it's playing this well. I was higher. I will say I was higher on this defense than I think you were. Uh, I mean, you thought this would be one of the worst defenses in football, and I didn't think it'd be great, but I did think there would be improvement from this unit. They traveled to New England. Taking on the Patriots, who barely, barely beat the Houston Texans. And I feel like they'll have a really nice performance against, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then despite winning, they'll have a poor performance against Houston. It's kind of been like that, I feel like, throughout the year. I think this Patriots team can make it a game through, you know, some of it against the Dallas Cowboys. But I think in the end, you know, no Gilmore... This Cowboys offense is rolling on all cylinders. It's not just Cooper. It's not just Lamb. It's guys like Dalton Schultz, Cedric Wilson, Tony Pollard, and Zeke. You know, we're talking about the A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones combination. Cowboys are running the ball at will. I believe they rushed for, like, over 200 yards in every single game this year. I'm, they're doing what they want, when they want on offense, and their defense is playing, you know, better than I think a lot of— better than a lot of people expected and better than maybe they need to be because of how great— this offense has been rolling really in all cylinders. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys. I think, you know, with it being in New England, and that out in that outdoor element, I think the Patriots could potentially, you know, make it a game throughout. But I think this Cowboys offense will be just too much for 
New England to handle. You know, they're they're creating turnovers. I think they can create a turnover or two against a rookie quarterback in Mac Jones, who's playing well so far overall. He's not turning the ball over. But, you know, I think either he's going to be, you know, not playing. Either he's going to be turning the ball over or just, you know, not not being able to move the ball. I feel like it's one or the other. I, I, I do like the Cowboys here. Maybe the Patriots can, you know, keep it close at least. Look, the Patriots are going to win their games 17-10. to 10. That you know that is true. They're not a team that wants to go out and put up points. That's the reality of it. And you're playing a Dallas team that's playing really fantastic football on both sides of the ball, and you're asking a defense, you know, let's play it's pretty solid football, but then, you know, just gave up uh twenty two to Houston, I believe. And I you know, Houston is Houston. I, I, I feel like I'm ripping on them a lot, but this but that's not a great offense. That's not a great team. And you're talking about a Dallas team that has one of the most explosive offenses in football, and I, at, at I, the same time they have the they have the Bucks to what nineteen points. True, true. Um, but you could still argue that Dallas's offense. No, I'm just saying. Explosive. I'm just saying you were saying where you you know you right. twenty two to Houston. So that means I'm saying I mean I think I no, suppose. No, we we all agree that you know Tampa has a much better offense than Houston. Right, that's a good point. Point taken. But I think it's hard to for me to imagine the way that this Dallas defense is playing. That Mac Jones and the Patriots put up more than 20. Well, so that's the thing. I think either Mac Jones, they'll be able to score some points, but also turn the ball over, or they're just going to have trouble moving the ball. This Patriots offense just isn't explosive, so I feel like if they're going to have to take shots on the field, there's going to be some inherent risk in terms of just, you know, turning the ball over, throwing interceptions. Yeah, and I think that Dak Prescott will hit on a couple of his deep balls, and I just can't see them not putting up 25 or more. I, I, Yeah, they should. I think New England could put up potentially 20, potentially. But I think, you know, in the end, I think Dallas can win, you know, can, you know, score 30-plus. I think, as I said, I think New England could keep it close, you know, for maybe a half-plus. Right. But I think, you know, and I think this could be a game where Dallas really, you know, takes the ball by the horns in the second half in the fourth quarter and pulls away late. Yeah, I agree. It's probably going to be a little bit close that defense keeps met it, but then... uh I, I, we kind of expect that Cowboys yeah. offense to really take over, as I said, take the bull by the horns and uh, get get Dallas a win and five and one. Exactly five and one, and I'm just looking at their schedule. They don't have a very difficult schedule. I mean, they're they're in the East, no, which plays a, which plays a part into their not so difficult schedule. But and you know, they beat the Chargers earlier this year. They do have the Chiefs. That'll obviously be a tough one. But you look at you know other than the Chiefs, you know they already played the Buccaneers. The Saints, maybe? Like, the Raiders? Like, this schedule is not very difficult for Dallas. They should, in my mind, run away with this division. Yeah, and I, I feel a little bit silly for sleeping on them so much this year. Um, I feel silly for listening to you and coming off their bandwagon late in, late in the offseason. So I feel like I should, <laughs> I, I should feel silly for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my lesson is never listen to you about offseason predictions. I don't know. I, I've... I've... It's been okay, but it's hard to hard to get them all right. Impressed with the way Dallas is playing. We both had them going into Foxborough and winning here. Yeah, which is definitely a tough atmosphere to play in. Sure. So now the Las Vegas Raiders taking on the Denver Broncos. There's, we were talking about a lack of leadership with the Jaguars. There is no leadership with the Raiders. And I saw, I think I saw, like, you know, obviously they're holding, you know, they're going to hold press conferences today, first week of practice. I could be wrong. But I did see a report out there that as of that time, Mark Davis was not planning to meet with the media. And I almost feel it's unfair to 
the other coaches, it's unfair to the players, that they're going to have to stand there, talk to the media, and answer every question on an issue where they probably have just as much information as maybe you and I. You know, they probably saw these emails when, you know, when we did, you know, in the New York Times article. They, I, it's unfair that the players and the other coaches have to take the brunt of this when, you know, if I'm a Raider fan or anyone for that matter, I want Mark Davis to take to speak on this. Yeah. Because it's unfair, it's unfair for the players and coaches to have to be the, really the face of this issue. I think that I, exactly, exactly. I think that's a, a really a phenomenal point because what John did, it's inexcusable. It, 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 and it was over an eight-year period. You know, initially, you know, people were saying, oh, it's one email 10 years ago. This was from like 2010, 2011, all the way through when he was hired in 2018. It was a pattern. Yeah, and, you know, like the guy or not as a coach, you know, which he he's... Which he had some issues there, too. He was the leader of of this organization. They believed he was the in him. Fa- he was the face of right. this organization. These players, these coaches were playing and coaching for him. And, you know, now, you know, what he did, it reflects. However way you put it, you know, it, I know they, they didn't have anything to do with it, but it reflects on this organization. It reflects on the, pl- it, you know, it reflects even on the players. Not that they had anything to do with it, of course. But it's just just the reality of it, and it's really unfortunate for a team that was playing such good football and coming into their own to to have to to to, to deal, deal with, this with this over you know because we don't know that you know they could have they could blow out Denver. Those questions won't be about the game, right? Yeah, and this is this is going to carry throughout the year, no matter what the Raiders do or what they what they do on or off the field. Yeah, their their on field performance takes a back seat, and obviously Gruden had to go. Right, it, it, we we say it was a resignation, but we all know he was he had no choice. Yeah, he, Mark Davis basically said, "Hey, can you resign?" Yeah, I mean he he had to go. I, you just have to feel bad for for the people you know around, around him who were who were in a team that was so that was a uh, so promising to start the year. Right. So we're going to talk about the Raiders and Broncos now. This is a tough game to pick. I want to pick the. I'm going to go with the Raiders because I I. I I want to pick the Raiders, and I feel like the only reason why I'm, I wouldn't is because of all they're dealing with. At the same time, I think, you know, they might almost say, hey, you know, let's rally around each other. And I think I could see that. You know, does the team rally around each other? You know, do the coaches rally around the players and vice versa, and the players rally around the coaches who were still there? Uh, at the same time, this is a distraction. I'm going to go with the Raiders because I do think – they're a more explosive team than the Broncos. Broncos are probably more well-rounded, and that loss to Chicago by Vegas really does open my eyes. But I could see, I think the Raiders will be able to have you know a couple of big plays on the field. I think they're really gonna you know rally around each other and play for each other, and you know I think they they get a big division win. Although right now I'm kind of flip-flopping between this one. Yeah, um, I'm gonna take the Broncos. Not only because I think what's happening the Raiders are going to take longer than a week to get over, but m- but mostly because the Broncos played some solid football last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and people want to put you know say oh the Steelers aren't good, a good football team that may be true, but they played good football that that week, and the Broncos matched them. Teddy Bridgewater showed a lot of uh, experience and moxie leading them back in that fourth quarter. And I was impressed um, by that, and they got some stops in the need to keep this game close and be within striking distance. To me, against the Raiders team that's reeling a little bit right now, 
This seems like both an easier on game. The, both on and off the field. And this is in Denver, Alex? It is in Denver. It is in Denver. So I'm going to take the Broncos here. Yeah, And I almost think Denver should be favored. So, yeah, picking the upset in Vegas. Now, you talked about those Steelers. We now talk about them and their matchup hosting the Seattle Seahawks. I think we both agree we would be taking Seattle if Russell Wilson was playing. Geno Smith was phenomenal against the Rams at the same time. Yeah, the Rams were preparing for Russell Wilson and then got Geno Smith. Sometimes also the adrenaline or energy when you first enter a game can almost bring out the best of you like it did with Geno Smith. I expect him to take a step back. Especially, you know, top, you know, decent uh, Steelers defense. I know Denver almost came back, but they did a very good job at least early on. I just don't think Seattle, even with Metcalf and Lockett, I don't think they have the firepower, and that's how I think how you're going to beat Pittsburgh. I I could see the Steelers' offense potentially struggling in terms of their passing game, but that Seahawks' run defense might be the worst in football, and we know they love to give the ball to Najee Harris. I expect Harris to potentially get 25-plus carries against, again, probably the worst run defense in football. Alex, the Steelers are actually capable of running the football and protecting Big Ben. This offensive line played great football last week, and I expect to continue against a really poor Seattle front. They ran against Denver's front, which had been, you know, they played some bad opponents, before them, but they were a real one of the better fronts in football statistically. So I expect them to get uh, to continue that momentum. Ben Roethlisberger was fairly good. They connect. They hit on those chunk plays, and you know the defense struggled a little bit towards the end. But I don't know if I expect Geno Smith to to be Teddy Bridgewater. And Teddy Bridgewater is amazing. I think Geno Smith can sustain a, a few drives like we saw against the Rams, but I don't know how much he can do it. Through a full 60 minutes. Yeah. I think the key for this Pittsburgh defense is keeping the lid on guys like, you know... Metcalf and Lockett. Lock yeah, keep, keep the play in front of and you. And force Geno Smith to make a mistake uh, by having to, to just, you know, chip it down. Make make it, make it the make them drive 10, 12 plays instead of, you know, having a loss assignment, assignment where Geno can air it out to lock right. it for a And their red zone defense shot. has been uh, fairly good this year at Pittsburgh. So I'm going to take them to win this game. As am I. As am I. I as I said, I think the key would be uh, the Steelers. Who knows how many yards they'll run for. They love to run the ball. And they're facing a truly atrocious Seahawks run defense. Right. So now we go. Final game. Buffalo Bills taking on the Tennessee Titans. Again, I know the Titans won last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But they've just been really disappointing. And they just have not played good football. They have yet to find that groove. A.J. Brown and Julio Jones have been banged up. They just, they don't have an identity, which is weird saying that from, you know, the Derrick Henry, you know, it was always that ground and pound mentality. Henry's played much, much better as of late. Three rushing touchdowns against Jacksonville. That defense is atrocious. I mean, that, I, I didn't love that defense heading into the year, but I mean, that defense, specifically the secondary, they can't stop a nosebleed. You're absolutely right. And I think this Bills team is, feels like they're on top of the world. You know, they're feeling themselves. They're feeling themselves. And I think they will get brought down to earth a little bit um, at some point, but not against the, a Tennessee team. Not that against this defense. has one of the worst defenses in football. I, I think they're kind of looking over there like, the, these are the guys you expect to stop us? <laughs> I mean, yes, they just played Kansas City's defense, which is bad in no, its own Nothing right. to brag home about. But, no, I mean, and again, you know, obviously, Emmanuel Sanders is playing really good football. Dawson Knox football. Isn't playing, is, is playing great football as well. Stephon Diggs is playing good football. 
but he's not the same guy he was last year. Well, that's because they're zeroing in on him. Well, I think defenses what, are. But what makes it so great is the defenses are zeroing in on him, and other guys are stepping up to the occasion. Josh Allen is finding the open mo- open man. He's finding the mismatch he likes on a given play, and he's getting the ball to where his guy that, can make can make the catch. And those guys are making plays for him. Right, and that's what we were worried about uh, this off season with the Bills. One of the minor things uh, on that offense. And the Davis is playing solid. Been playing solid. So we both have the Bills winning. We both think the Titans they need to get back on track soon and find just not even an offensive identity, really just a team identity. Because specifically the Demons has been playing really poorly, and even the offense, I feel like, has been inconsistent. Right. So that's going to do it for this edition of NFL Game Time Podcast. We'll see you next week.